We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. <laughs> Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Value Add Podcast with K&K. We are super excited for this episode. We got the big Uncle G, Grant Cardone, on the podcast today, and we had uh, some really good nuggets that we got from him. Yeah, I mean, honestly, guys, I think Crystal and I, we got... Uh, thanks to Monty pushing in the interview, but also what's cool about this is we really just dove deep into real estate with him. And honestly, I've lo- listened to a lot of his content, and I don't think Grant's gone this deep in anything I've seen. So if you want to hear about real estate, if you want to hear the truth, if you want to hear why he's crushing it, why he's buying what he buys, giving us tips, giving us like opinion on what we should be doing, which is crazy. I think he gave Crystal a good old kick in the keister um, about stuff we do, you kick know. Kick in the keister? Yeah. But okay. we don't need to give an intro to Grant Cardone. You know where to find him, grantcardone.com. Mr. 10X, you know, 10X ladies, his wife, Elena, it's all good. So I think uh, one of the things I was going to say before you wrap it up, because you were on a real roll there. I was on a roll. Um, one of the things I was going to say is the biggest thing I wanted to do with this interview and Kenny and I have always said is when the big guys are at that level, you never knew how they started. They didn't just wake up one day and own over 9,000 units across the country. At some point, he had to start with one deal and then he had to move into another deal. And there are a lot of hard lessons that we've all learned from starting in this process. And there's a lot of people we talk to every day who are just scared to even get started. Obviously, we were all scared with our first deal, and you'll hear a funny um, analogy. Uh, analogy that Grant uses about that um, And if you watch this. So anyways, I just wanted to let you guys know we're all trying to grow portfolios. If you're watching us, that's probably why you're here is that you want to hear value and you want to get some insight on how Grant got to be so big. You're going to hear some of that today, and it's such valuable information for all of us getting started, knowing how, how the big guys started out when they were just little guys. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this interview is probably 98% about real estate. We just focus on that. And I will say this, and Grant did jump on the bandwagon of, you know, forget trying to forget this, forget that. Just get started, get in the game, jump in, just like we're going to jump right in. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only, Grant Cardone. Let's go. Woo! Let's roll. Let's go. Grant, thanks for coming on. The podcast. On, We're pumped to have you on. We wanna we wanna talk a lot about real estate today. So um, we have some things in common. You're uh, you're in my old hood. I'm actually from Miami. I'm there a lot, and uh, I'm in your old hood, San Diego. And uh, we love cash flow. We love real estate. And uh, I work with my wife here, Crystal. So a lot of things in common. Well, I tell you, I, I you know what part of San Diego are you in? Mission Hills. Yeah, I love San Diego. I had 15 great years there, lived in La Jolla on the ocean, had, had a dream house. I just, I have great memories of being down there. It's awesome. I think everybody in, in the world probably knows your name, but a lot of people in San Diego definitely know your name too. So. <laughs> yeah. We're uh, big fans of 10X. We read some of your books. We've 
got your sales courses, all that good stuff. So we kind of wanted to ask you some questions today that we haven't really heard on a lot of the content that you put out because we listened to a ton of that too. Um, we're excited to hear that podcast with Robert Kiyosaki too when that comes out. Yeah, yeah. So. We, you know, I was on with Robert, what, a day or two ago and yeah. then he, we decided not to do it because it was, uh, the, the, the connection was bad. Uh, so I'm gonna fly. In, I'm gonna fly into Scottsdale and do it with him in the studio. Sweet, cool. that'll awesome. be good. Well, well, we're excited to hear it when that comes out. So oh, thank you. let's jump right in. Do you see yourself buying real estate this year? And if so, are there areas, any areas that you're hyper focused on? Yeah, I will definitely buy real estate this year. It's, it's, I'm just waiting for things to loosen up. Uh, you know, the kind of real estate that I buy requires uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and/or life insurance company uh, debt. Uh, you guys are debt specialists, so you can keep that little piece right there. You're yep. the debt specialist. So, you know, the thing, the, the marketplace, while the treasuries are really, really low right now, uh, the marketplace hasn't quite uh, loosened up. It's a little uncertain. So the spreads between the 10-year treasury and what you can actually buy money at today uh, will probably, it's probably not fair to a consumer. So I'd like for some of that money to, to probably be about 90 days to 120 days out. Uh, and then I'm buying everything in the Southeast I can buy. Literally, like if you take and put a big smiley face in, on the U.S., starting with Austin, Texas, or even, even Arizona, maybe now it's a big wide face. Um, all that real estate's going to be very desirable for the next 10, 10 to uh, uh, two decades. So is Elena as into apartments as you are and how important is, is it to have the support of your wife? Yeah, Elena loves the real estate. She loves looking at it like, I, I, you know, the last time we were in Houston, we were going to look at a deal and she slept in that morning. I'm like, I'm leaving. She's like, you cannot leave. I'm waking up right now. <laughs> she overslept. She was feeling bad. I think she had something that kind of hit her, but um so she loves looking at the property. Uh, she is a good indicator for me about like how a woman's going to feel there. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good, for, for me, real estate is very much a, uh, the financial part of it. I, I, I understand like I do all the deals on a napkin. Um, I don't mm -hmm. use spreadsheets. So uh, I don't even need to know what you want to sell it for or what the rents are to figure out what it's worth to me. Uh, uh, but before the numbers, what matters is how do I feel while I'm there? And is that substantiated by other people? Like I have a really good sense of what feels good today for people to rent. And then when I sell it, uh, those things really, really matter. Even in commercial real estate, like a lot of people say, oh, commercial real estate's analytical and it's not emotional. It's not true. You know, I've bought stuff from Fidelity, Blackstone, like JP Morgan, big groups. It's still emotional. And when I go to sell something, it's emotional. So um, you, want, you want some emotion connected with this really feels good or it eh, doesn't feel that good. That's emotional too, right? So Elena, Elena's input on a deal and her support that she feels good about it, she likes it. Uh, these are big deals. So the more support I can get for it, the better. It's awesome. Nice. So Grant, we want to kind of go back to the beginning. Since we're here in San Diego, I want to go back to your, uh, to your first deal. Who is responsible um, for basically pushing you to buy multifamily? And then why did you initially pick that asset class? So my first deal was in Houston, Texas. It was a single family house. I, I was just, I was preparing for our, uh, 
I'm doing a webinar tomorrow. 69,000 yeah. people have registered for it already. Wow, so so clear, clearly it's the right topic. And um, my first house was a single family home. Nobody pushed me into it. I, I've always wanted to buy real estate. Okay. And it was like I was running toward it without knowing anything. I bought my first deal uh, when I was 28 years old. I bought my second deal 20 days later. Two houses. I shouldn't have sold either one of them. I wish I still owned them today. Uh, the one house, the first one, had I bought that and then done that 10 times, I would have made, uh, I'd be worth $5 million today, no debt on the properties. It would have paid me $4 million in free cash flow had I just done that 10 times. Simple, simple. Now, when I left Houston, I started shopping multifamily in Houston after I bought that one unit, the first unit, bought a second house, lived in it. Uh, the tenant moved out of the first unit and it scared me. So I sold it. I reacted. I overreacted. I got, I got scared. Uh, unfortunately, I sold it. But fortunately, I, I, I said to myself, okay, I'll never buy one unit again. And that's kind of what propelled me to not do another one unit deal as an investment. Uh, I happened to be on a trip. I was in La Jolla, California. I went to see a guy named Patrick there. He was a real estate agent with Remax. Uh, he was a friend. He no-showed me at the meeting. Uh, I had 20 minutes to kill. I went to a place called uh, Wind and Sea Beach. I had no clue where it was. I didn't know Wind and Sea Beach. I didn't know what La Jolla was. I uh, went to Wind and Sea Beach. I stood there. I was single at the time. I stood there and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to live here one day. Moved, uh, went back to Houston after my trip and uh, was in Bel Air, Texas. And I'd write in the morning, I live in Southern California. I had a picture in my head of that place. Uh, 34 months later, I bought a house in La Jolla, moved uh, myself and my, my, my business over there, knew no one. And within eight months, I bought my first apartment deal in, in San Diego. So I had been looking for those. There was like three years in between 28 when I bought my first deal and 31 when I bought my first apartment. There was like three years where I was shopping apartments, trying to learn about apartments. I liked it because I'm like, okay, if one unit was going to pay me, then the next time I do a deal, I'm going to do 20 units and it's going to pay me better. Your first deal was in um, Vista, right? Like a 30 unit or something? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, 48 units. It was 1.9 million dollars, uh, I think, is what it was. It's the the same. It's the same name today. This was 1986 or 88. Wow. Um, the rents were the rents were 750 a month. Uh, I put 350 grand down. To me, it was a no brainer. Like it was like. It was $2 million. The guy, I think the guy spent like 3.9 million building it. Wow. Wow. So he, he had more money building it than I spent. It's, it's a, another thing that I do. Like I buy under replacement costs. Wow. Yeah. And so yeah. to me, it was the no brainer. Everybody's like, how'd you put 350 grand in that deal? I'm like, bro, it's worth $2 million. It might be worth three or $4 million. I, I don't know, but it was worth 2 million for sure. The, the guy that built it paid more than that. He lost money in the transaction. Yeah. I bought it for 350 grand. I, I, don't, I didn't see myself as paying 1.9 million for it. I saw myself buying a piece of property for 350. I had just bought a house in La Jolla for 850,000. 
<laughs> so, and, 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 I, and I mortgaged the whole thing. 100% of it was mortgaged. So uh, I put debt on the house. And then I'm like, if that house is worth 850, these 48 units has to be worth at least 350 grand. I thought I paid the down payment. I was obligated to the debt, but, but in real estate, different, uh, in commercial real estate, different, as you know, different than the house, I was responsible for the mortgage. In the 48 unit deal, the tenants, if I could keep the tenants there, then they would be responsible for the market. They, they wouldn't be responsible for it, but they would fund the mortgage. Yeah. At that point in your life, um, how much time were you probably spending on shopping real estate, you know, just involved operational everything? Was it a side hustle? Was it pretty much a full time? It was totally a side hustle. Okay. It okay. was a 100% intrigued, interested. Um, I knew I did not have the, the discipline uh, didn't have the, the what it, whatever it takes to become a stock investor. Uh, I did not have that. My dad was a, actually a stock broker, mm -hmm. uh, but I did not have the propensity or the interest in learning about stocks. Uh, real estate, I've always just had a romance with it. Like I, like, like I knew Elena was the right girl for me. I, I've always known real estate was not going to be a vehicle for me. It's awesome. So when was the turning point for you when you had exponential growth with your portfolio? So I bought 48 units. 30 days later, I bought uh, 38 units in Point Loma. Uh, wow. uh, three months later, I bought 92 units. I had to start raising money from friends and family to do it. I didn't have the money. Okay. So I started begging people. I remember I got 90000 from my mom to close my third deal called Oak Terrace. Uh, it was 88 units up in, uh, up in La Mesa again. Oh, wow. And, and it was, uh, it was the biggest deal I'd ever done. 88 units. I drove on the property. It was like 1970s, beat up, tired, a uh, lot of big trees. There was leaves everywhere. It wasn't being taken care of. I walked in the property. I knew in one minute that I would buy that deal. Uh, those three deals made me four, five, I don't know, uh, 13 or $14 million. Dude, I was hooked. Like, it was like, okay, <laughs> okay, I'm, th I'm, 30, I'm 38 years old. I've made, I know I have 13 million bucks made. All the properties are cash flowing. I bought them all under replacement costs. I had been working, I had been working for eight years at the same job mm -hmm. and hadn't produced anywhere close to that much money. And it's wild so to think I'm about the values it. today. I mean, oh, for what you paid. Oh yeah, we're sitting here going, we're sitting here going, holy crap, yeah, it's crazy. So that was, 40, was 48, 38, that was uh, 160 units. Those, those deals today are worth at least 30 million bucks. Yeah, I mean, it's they're selling easy for like 300 a door or so. Yeah. In San Diego, if not more. Yeah. So that's what-, yeah. the, what the, 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 Those would probably, those would probably sell for 180 to 200 a door, you know, um, but- you know, they would have cash flowed for 30 years. That's what people don't yeah. understand. They would have been, I would have three, if I had to finance them for 30 years, I would owe three years. I would owe nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and the, the cash flow from those deals, once they're paid for, that would be, let me just see what the math on that is. 48, 38. Uh, and you, got, you guys that don't find this interesting, like, I'm not saying you guys, but your viewer that doesn't find this interesting, if you don't, if you don't do the math on that, like if you don't find that interesting, what's the rent in, in, uh, in La Mesa right now? Oh, 1750? Yeah. About there. Yeah. yeah. So 
I don't, I don't know, 174. If you guys, the viewer doesn't find this interesting, then, you know, real estate's probably not your deal. But Absolutely. I can't not do the math on this. <laughs> you got to know, huh? Yeah. My income would be 300 grand a month. It's huge, yeah. So, like, we're doing nothing. Coronavirus or no coronavirus. Uh, by the way, our yeah. rentals improved. Our rentals improved during Corona. They didn't go down. They got better. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have any problems yeah. really here with our rentals, and we've everybody we've been asking has pretty much been collecting almost all their rents and things. Yeah. And leasing has been great. Is so. this all hype? Yeah, that's a resale. People got to live someplace. They do. Yeah, I think this was one of the things that scared multifamily owners in the beginning, and then it was like once again multifamily wins out again. So, so. It wins out again. Yep. It was the first. It was the first thing to win in 2000, uh, 2010, The rents came back. Yep. That was the first uh, thing to do. Huh? That was the first thing that went up in the economy was rents, right? The first. Yeah. One of the first. Yeah. yeah exactly. So you know what I did right there was I I, I then went and bought another uh, three or four deals down in Chula Vista. Um, ended up with about five hundred units. Sold them all, sold the whole portfolio, traded it for 2,200 units in Tucson in 2002 or three. This is crazy. Sold everything, sold everything in 2007, the end of 2007. Um, and uh, took a break, waited for 2008 to happen. And then I've been at it, you know, I've been at it pretty hard ever since. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we noticed with our clients, the downturns allow people like you who have cash on the sidelines to grow like crazy. I mean, we had clients in 2008 and 9 getting like 20% returns in San Diego, 25% returns, which is unheard of here. So, yeah, you know, yeah. So why is it, I know that you might regret selling all of your deals, but why is it so important to think about the exit when you are purchasing? Because look, if you don't have an exit, I know my exit. I know, I know not just, I know my price exit on the way out. I know how much debt the next buyer will be able to get on my deal on the way out. I even know who the buyer will be on the way out. Mm -hmm. Now, the stuff that I was buying in San Diego when I was uh, back then, we, we, we're not buying those assets today. Um, I, I knew that there was a handful, three or four or five guys you know, semi-rich guys that, that would buy my real estate, right? That's not the model I use today. The model I use today is I'm buying assets today that three or four or five institutions will be forced to buy for me. And the reason I like that is because even doing a coronavirus, Blackstone has money. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a buyer. I buy assets that I will sell to Fidelity, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, Blackstone, uh, Equity Residential, Camden, Amley. These are the biggest real estate owners in the world. Like these are, these are trillion dollar companies, mm -hmm. not, not billion dollar companies. Like you said, these they're worldwide. Companies. They're not even nationwide. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they, they own, it's who I buy from. Uh, there's a surfer dude uh, down, down in San Diego that buys a lot of real estate. I forget his name now. He's well known. He's made a bunch of money in real estate. Um, uh, anyway, talked about yeah. I'm trying to think who you're talking he, about. But but he's not the guy I'm buying and selling stuff to anymore. Yeah. I, I don't want to buy and sell to to the dentist or the chiropractor. Yeah. So we're buying huge institutional quality assets. I think the biggest growth in real estate, if somebody can wrap their head around how to do this, um, 
Blackstone has 185 billion in cash. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah. so when they buy deals, they can't buy a 20 million dollar deal at a time. I mean, that would be yeah. divided by 20 million. It's like a you know, they, they can't grow fast enough, right? Yeah. They, they they need they they, they want to buy some some guy's portfolio. So that's why I look at those assets today because of my exit, my exit, let's say I'm trying to exit during a bad economy. Who's got money in a bad economy? All the big boys. Yeah. Insurance companies. Yeah. Yep. Banks. Yeah. And, and so, so that's, that's how we target our property. I want to know how I'm going to get out of this deal. If I'm buying a deal for $2 million and I put a million dollars down, I want my million back. I want to earn six to eight percent of my money, and I want another two million dollars. I want a three x return plus my cash flow. The other thing that I learned, you know, because when I was early on, I was scared. I'm 33, 38. I'm just scared. I should have bought the lower cap rate, better location properties. So, like, there's a bunch of mistakes I made. I should have never sold anything. I should have bought more. I should have understand how to refinance rather than doing 1031s. I thought I was so cool because I was 1031 and everything. I shouldn't have done any 1031s. I should have done a refi on everything. And then the other thing is I should have bought lower cap rates, more expensive properties, less cash flow, and just sit and wait. That's the thing we talk about with our clients too, is like, if you want to go to areas like PD or La Jolla or some of these nicer areas, you're not going for cash flow, but you're going to get crazy appreciation. I mean, you just can't lose on value in those areas. It's never going to go away. It can't go. Like when you say, Hey, they can't build any more property. Oh, well, yeah, actually they can't. Like you can't build the property, but you can't, you can put one house on there. Right. But one house is what's one house house going to be worth. Yeah. It's going to be worse based on what the guy next door to you is worth or this guy over here is worth. With apartments, that the place is worth what the income, what how much income it can bring. So you can't just go put 35 units on a piece of property in La Jolla. I mean, it's just never going to happen. Yeah. And, and if more people would leave La Jolla and go to Japan, go to Tokyo, go to Singapore, okay, go to Sydney, Australia, and you'll be like, hey, La Jolla is cheap. Yeah. yeah all your perspective grant why is it so important you know you talk about it a lot but i don't think people understand it's why scale matters scale matters that's the math i'm doing right here okay yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if blackstone if blackstone wanted to spend their whole 185 billion and didn't want any debt on it, they would have to buy 9250 units but blackstone's going to use debt Okay, Blackstone is going to actually create their own debt. They're going to use their equity, and then they're going to create debt. So they're going to take $185 billion. They're going to put another $375 billion worth of debt on it. So they're going to have, uh, that'll be what, uh, half a $600, trillion, uh, $600 billion. They already own $500 billion worth of real estate. This is how they become a trillion-dollar real estate fund. And that's what they want to be. They want to be a trillion-dollar monster, right? They don't, they don't want to say they're worth half a billion. Who wants to say they're worth a half a, bill, uh, half a trillion? Yeah. So they would take and buy not 9,200 units. They would want to buy 27,000 units. They would take me 
they would consume me and two other groups my size. That's how they grow. Okay. Now to your question, your question was what? Just why is scale so important for a new investor? Like because to think? scale, dude, because scale is everything. Yeah. Like, like, why, why does Amazon buy Whole Foods? <laughs> to grow faster. You know? Why does Starbucks, why is Starbucks with, you know, or McDonald's worth something because of scale. Why is Coca-Cola in every, on every shelf and every store scale? Single family homes don't scale. Yeah. So, so when you, when the most important number to, to me in real estate, the most important number is the number of units. It's not the cap rate. It's not the cash flow. How many units can I score on? Yeah. So yeah. one unit times a million dollars, a million dollars. I'd rather make, I'd rather have a, a 200 unit deal make less money and scale over bigger numbers and have a bigger score. That's true. What, what do you, what do you think the smaller new investor is just not understanding that somebody like that you understands? Well, the small, the smaller real estate investor has been miseducated by, by, by courses. Um, on guys that basically had scarcity issues. You know, the guys, the guys doing these real estate courses in the past, if you look at what they were buying, they weren't thinking big enough. Mm -hmm. So they're telling everybody, you can do it, you can do it. Here, give me 10 grand, you can do it. Dude, dude they, you know, like, you know, the, the, the people should be out buying $100 million deals. I, I know that's hard for somebody to hear. But if I'd have heard that when I was 38 years old, I'd be like, that would have been the only thing I need. I, I, you, you tell me one time, I'd be like, yeah, I can buy a $100 million deal. How do I do that? You put $30 million down. Okay, where do I get the $30 million from? 7 billion people. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get, I know how to get money for a job. If you know how to get money for a job, if you know how to get money for an hour, my God, man. Like, think about what am, what am I waking up for every day? To sell a book, to sell a seminar, or to buy real estate that will take care of me and my wife, the kids, my charities, hundreds of years into the future. Yeah. So it's where am I putting my energy? Nobody showed me that way. People are like, you can buy a house. It's only 3% down. We'll waive the 3%. There won't be any fees. It won't cost you anything. It's easy, man. You can buy four units. Tell the bank that you're going to live in one of them. You get a 3% FHA loan. It's easy. Okay, well, good. I'm not going to the grocery store. I'm trying to get rich. Right. <laughs> Amazon is easy. They made it easy so they get rich. If it's easy, somebody's getting rich on your back. Make sure it's a little harder. Okay, if it's easy to buy, it's going to be hard to sell. It's, it's, it's not. hard to buy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like it's some of our clients, they don't buy, see it. It's going to be. They don't see that, that like they come to us and they say, well, Crystal, I have this, this four unit and I can make it. And then I'm going to trade up into something. I'm like, are you excited to make $300 a month? I mean, does that excite you? Yeah. You know, go as big as you can. We go the Grant Cardone way, sell the house, you know? <laughs> sell the house, get the cash, yeah. go buy an apartment, go rent somewhere. Yeah. 100%. We rent. Rent, rent a different place every 14 months, every 14 months if the tenant... If you live in California, you should definitely be a renter because you don't even have to pay to rent there. Yeah. We rent. That's the thing I would be careful about. As much as I love California, like I love to use California, okay? Uh, I would be very careful as a landlord there. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Just, just of because of the way the government, unless you're in Orange County, I mean, almost every other place in the, in the state, you, you're going to lose in court. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely tough here. And especially now, I mean, it's, it's only gotten tougher with the rent control and then now all this. So it's like, good luck trying to get somebody out of your unit right now. You, you try to evict somebody in June gloom. I got it. We, we can't, yeah. we can't, you can't evict me. It's June gloom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so Grant, one of the things I want to talk to you about is when you're, we're, the level you're competing at is like massive deals. There is a lot of players there, you know, a lot of syndicators, players. Is your brand making it easier for you to get deals? Uh, it, it's helped me and it's hurt me. Okay. There's been okay. guys that won't sell to me because I'm an Instagram guy. <laughs> oh my I, I, I lost a deal because, uh, because, uh, I was on Instagram. Wow. Uh, I had a lender, a lender wouldn't give us money because they're like, yeah, we just don't get it. Like it's confusing to us, but you know, I bought $860 million worth of deals last year. So it's like, I'm getting some deals. Yeah. Now, speaking on the, uh, the competition piece, I wrote this in, in a book called, If You're Not First, You're Last. The, the way not to worry about competition is to figure out what they want and can't do. So we go to markets where JP Morgan and Blackstone won't buy right now. Mm -hmm. They won't buy right now, but they will buy in the future because of the number of units they have to buy. Because of the way their model is built, it's just a matter of time before they have to buy from me. So we're collecting assets. It's Monopoly. This is Monopoly. It's, it's, if you know how to play Monopoly, you know how to play the game I'm playing right now. It's like, if I can get, I was playing with a kid the other night. She's 10 years old. She comes to the house. She thinks she's going to kick my ass. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And, and I guess her parents have been letting her win. So she's got all this confidence and she gets boardwalk and she's confident. She's like, oh my God, I got boardwalk. And you can see she's like, she's freaking out on her. So I land on Park Place and she's like, oh my God, man, all the color goes out of her face. And she's like, she's like, I'll buy it from you right now. So no, you're going to buy it from me later. I'm going to choke <laughs> you out on it later. <laughs> okay. And, and so I said, T tell your mom, I'm going to choke you out on Park Place. Okay. And, and, and so, so I make a round. Okay. I come back. I say, you want to buy it? She's like, I want to buy it so bad. How much money you got? She's got like 1100 bucks left. I said, I'll take the whole 1100. You can have it. Now the, the point of this story is if, if she gives me her 1100, man, she ain't gonna be able to keep the property. It takes money. You have to have money to keep these properties. It doesn't matter who owns it today. It matters who owns it in the future. Right. Okay. Now I can overpay if I got a bunch of dough. It won't matter, okay? The people that I'm selling to can overpay me. They never don't have money. Their biggest problem is too much money. And this is the big secret that real estate, that the Ken McAvees and the, and the, the, the Kiyosaki's and all the guys that, and, and I'll tell, I'll tell uh, Kiyosaki this, you know, nobody has educated people how to sell the giants. Mm -hmm. The real estate game has been a bunch of guys at the bottom, really bottom feeders. We, we end up with a bunch of like, like the stuff that I was buying in San Diego 30 years ago is garbage. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even buy it today if I could buy it. I mean, it's just, it's just a pain in the ass. It's what you said about, do you really want to earn 300 bucks a month? Right. And so at, at some point, I know people have to get started somewhere, but do you don't have to start at the bottom. That's what a job's for. 
okay? You can actually, in real estate, you don't even have to do it yourself. You could find a group that does it right. There are some groups that do it the way I do it. So like right now, we're buying during the coronavirus. I'm on the phone every day. I can do a walk. I can, I can buy the property without doing walkthroughs on every unit. Blackstone can't do that. JP Morgan can't do that. Amley can't do that. Camden can't do that, okay? The, the, Camden's trying to sell property. They can't have me walk through every unit because of the liability, the coronavirus liability. Mm -hmm. Another syndicator that comes up that might have some public ties or JP Morgan somewhere connected to them, they can't do it either because they have to get board approval. I am the board. And, and so to the degree that you're willing to take risk in markets like we're in right now, Mm -hmm. This is the moment where people can literally make mega money, but you can't do that if you're going to buy a four unit deal. So in saying that, what is the fastest way if you're just starting to go from, you know, zero to 500 units? I'd go get 500 right from the start. <laughs> <laughs> so basically raise money, raise money. If you don't have it, I would 100% raise money. All the money you have now has been raised. Mm -hmm. Nobody has their own money. Other people's money is a joke. All money is other people's money. Every, every penny that you have today was somebody else's before it was yours. <laughs> Great. I like that. That's awesome. It, yeah. it, it, people are open up the other people's money. Dude, every, everything, if you work at freaking Whole Foods, you got other people's money. I think our, our philosophy in the past has been, we didn't want to raise money because we had a management company where we managed like a thousand units. But so then I said, well, I don't want people to tell me how to deal with the property. I just want to do it the way I see fit. So we've done it ourselves, but you're right. We own, you know, a 30 unit building and, you know, some, you know, vacation rentals in La Jolla Shores, but we, you can only grow as for as much money as you have. Yeah, exactly. So, so you, yeah. you guys should raise money. Okay, because when, when you borrowed money, right, from the bank? Yeah, we believe in leverage for sure. Yeah. yeah. What you should do is you should, you should do what I've done at Cardone Capital. We've raised $370 million in 25 months off wow. of Instagram and Facebook. Okay, without paying any fees. So now, I don't have J.P. Morgan telling me what to do. Because the other syndicator boys... Basically, what they do, because they don't understand Instagram and Facebook, they're, you know, the commercial real estate world is not even on social no, media. They're they, they, yeah. they think it's the devil. So what they do is because they're lazy. They go to the life insurance company or JP Morgan and say, look, I'm going to get a loan from Fannie Mae for $30 million. I want to get the other $10 million from you. I'll put in a million. So it's a million, 10 million, and 30 million. JP Morgan is now running the deal. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do, I don't want, I, exactly what you just said. I don't want JP Morgan telling me what to do. So what I do is I, I go direct to the public and say, you're, I'm not going to do business with JP Morgan. I'm going to do business with you guys. We're going to do a deal. See, you and I could create a fund together. Right. Me and A-Rod could create a fund together. I don't, I don't need JP Morgan. Right, okay, and right. we could go raise money from the public, share those same deals, by the way, the deals that I'm getting with individuals rather than JP Morgan. They don't need any more money. Yeah, the other thing we, we see is people who have like, a, you know, one or two guys that have a bunch of cash. 
But then what happens is the syndicator tries and goes to get the deal under contract, but then they have to go ask for permission from their couple of big investors, and that big yeah. investor has, he has all the money, so he has all the yeah. say. I don't like much. the deal. I don't want to do it. Okay, he's out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you just need a bigger pipeline to, to, to go call on, because I, I, I never depend on one person for anything. Yeah. So, you know, we're, 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 number one, I'm buying the deal with my money. Yep. And then we backfill it. Yep. So raise the money though. Go, At go some point you just, you gotta, you got you, you, you know, you, you, there is value in having some cash to be able to go do deals mm -hmm. um, because you don't want to go try to buy something and say, Hey, I'm still raising money. Cause they're going to be like, yeah, thank you. No, thank you. Right. Yeah. What, so Grant, what makes you such a successful real estate investor? Uh, number one is discipline. I have tremendous amounts of discipline. Like as wild a cowboy as I am, like, you know, say what I want, do what I want. When it comes to real estate, I do not violate. I'm just extremely disciplined, very cautious. Um, I value money. Like I, I don't, I don't lose money ever, ever. And, um, and I know how to negotiate deals. I've sat across, I've sat across the desk with on a $140 million deal by myself at a conference room. They got five or six people and there's just me. And, and, you know, I walk out of there and I'm the winner. So, um, number one is discipline. Number two is you can't make money on a deal you don't own. And what that means is like, you've got to buy the deal. Yep. And as long as you can keep the deal, it's like the little girl, you know, I taught the little girl, the story about the, you know, I ended up selling her park place and basically she gave me all her money and all her other properties. And she had 200 bucks. She couldn't keep it. Somebody is going to make money on the real estate. It's who can keep it. So the third thing is the cash flow. The cash flow is what determines whether or not you can keep a piece of property. That's why the number of units is so vital. Yeah. Four unit deal that you were talking about, the $300 a month. All you need is one little hiccup. You need one dickhead tenant. Yep. You need one person. I remember I had this lady, she, or this, this kid claimed that I had, uh, 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 he got mold from living in my, my uh, wind and sea, wind and sea property. I'm like, yeah, bro. Like, there's mold in the property. I mean, I'm a witness. You're by the there's ocean. Mold. There's mold outside, son. Go look at the streets. Right. <laughs> she was trying to hold me hostage. But you know what? It cost me money in legal fees. I collected. I won. But it costed me money and bullshit and pressure. I mean, we made $4 million on that deal in 10, 2010, when you couldn't make any money. Wow. Um, so, again, you got to have discipline. If you don't own it, you can't make money on it. And 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 what that means is you got to be willing to pay for something. Yep. And if you're scared, if you're scared, get your cash flow to protect you. The number of units provides cash flow. The cash flow allows you to keep it. Good times and bad times until you get to the other side of the bad times, and boom, somebody wants to pay you a profit. At which point, by the way, you shouldn't sell. <laughs> right. Yeah. At this point in the economy, would you say if someone was looking to start investing in apartments that this would be a good time to start? 100%. All your purchases, the, the buys are going to be October, November, December, January, February, March of next year. And then it's going to be over again. Got it. 
And what do you say to those people who are scared? I mean, we get, I, I help people all the time try and analyze deals and look at them. And sometimes they're, you know, scared. What if, you know, what about the virus? And well, the leases are all month to month. And, you know, this is our life savings. Blah, blah, blah. You know, all these, all these excuses, basically. But what, what would you say to those people? Be scared and do it anyway. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You'll never regret it. Don't over leverage the deal. If you're really scared, pay cash for the deal. Which makes no sense at all. That, I mean, it's just completely stupid. Right. The debt, the debt is so good. Like, there is no better deal than this. The same person that's telling you they're scared owns a home. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yes, that is so true. That is good, yeah. Yes. Own a, you own a home. You own your cars. You paid all your debt down. I can tell you're scared because you're paying shit down. And you got a retirement account with fucking J.P. Morgan. It's yep. freaking insanity. You've been brainwashed by the banks. Wow. You have named this person to the T. Like, you've described the exact person. Because he talks him on his show yeah. every damn day. Yeah. 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 Look who got wealthy in this country. The banks made all the money off the, off the houses. People didn't make money off the of houses. The banks are getting 4 and 5% a year, every year. Mm-hmm. While, while you're lucky to make 1% or 2%. Right. So, so look, and I've made a look, as much as I tell people don't buy a home, the reason I'm saying that is like, don't, why, why would you buy a home when you could buy 35 units and then rent a house, pay too much for your rent and be proud of it because my rental properties are paying me to rent. Yep. Uh, you know, unless you're a professional real estate investor, you shouldn't own a home. I own my home. I rent it for myself and I lose money. Because, I mean, you have cash flow, though. I mean, yeah. that's what we say. I mean, honestly, if, if you want to, if you make cash flow on your properties, you can piss away the whole thing one month and then you get it all over again next month. You know, that's kind of what we tell people. You want a house? Okay, fine. Buy an asset that pays for it. Don't, don't, exactly. Don't spend earned money. Earned income should not be spent. It should be invested. Passive income can be fucking wasted. Yeah. Okay. I bought this watch from passive income. I would never buy this watch if it were from earned income. Right. But, but my, my deal is when I go to buy something stupid, everybody likes stupid stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, number, number one, you, if I can't buy two of them with cash, I don't do it. Number two, it has to be out of passive income. It cannot be out of earned income. So, so that means I have to earn enough money passively it had nothing to do with my time. It was an investment. I'm talking to your, your, your listener. I know you yeah, guys understand yeah. this. Where I know I'm going to get that same check next month. Yep. And, and look, you're, you're, you're going to be scared until you do a deal. It's like having sex or having a baby. First time is always a scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Oh, here it comes. I sex when I was 15 years old. It, it, I wasn't that good. But... <laughs> But I didn't know what I was doing, you know. Same thing with my first real estate deal. I didn't, it wasn't that good, but, but I made $3,500. Yep. Yeah. I also feel like with apartments, and this is what I tell people, if you're a conservative person, then multifamily is the best thing for you to buy. 100%. I mean, it's hard to lose. I mean, it's difficult to lose in multifamily. Yeah. It's better than CVS. Right. Or Walgreens. See, when I was growing up, it was like, oh, the safe thing to do is CVS and Walgreens. I'm like, why would I ever? Yeah. Why would I ever trust one company and or, or, you know, Starbucks, Starbucks looks like a great company. All they need is one big outbreak. And then that's like your that. only, never, ever rely on one of anything. 
Plus, they have a lot more money than you to beat you in court. Yeah, exactly. They will crush you and bankrupt you, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We've seen it with clients on retail. It's sad, you know. They just, they, they have They'll bleed, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what they do. Grant, so quick question. Um, I think you self-manage or you have a company that self-manages. How do you manage all your real estate? We use a third-party management company. Okay, you do. Okay, cool. So how much... How, how much of the day-to-day, -day, what are you involved with day-to-day -day besides, you know, getting investors and getting money and deals? Are you ever dealing with problems or things like that? No, I try not to. Okay. No, no. I'm like, hey, look, look, don't, don't, don't tell me. I don't want to hear anything about the tenant. It takes now, away from your time. The virus hit, yeah. When the virus hit, I was extremely involved, okay? And, and mostly I was involved in deals. Like the management company wanted to do a $300 discount. I'm like, no, dude, nobody wants a discount. People want security. So like we came up with different plans. We're at 94% occupied across 7,722 units. Nice. And almost 99% collected. So the way you do that, that's the stuff I'm active. I pick the deals, buy the deals, negotiate the deals, negotiate the debt, negotiate the sale, and any of the big stuff across 8,000 units that, that would improve the the, the value of the assets, uh, I get involved in those things. Yeah, I mean, there's no way you could be involved at that scale anyway. It's like, you know, what tenant didn't pay or what guy's giving you an excuse or, you know. Yes. So um, what is what are a couple tips for people to add value to their property and increase income? Number one, be nice to your tenant. You know, it's a, it's a new technology out there, like, Pay attention to your tenant. Treat the tenant like a millionaire. Um, make sure you have the right manager there. Mm -hmm. Managers can be at a property too long. I've bought deals just knowing that the manager had been there 22 years. Yeah. Yep. I bought a deal down here. Manager had been there 22 years. I bought a deal. What do you want for it? I knew right there. I said, I guarantee I'm going to make money here. Oh, yeah. Because the, the, the manager, when I met her, she knew every, every tenant. I'm like, okay, how's she going to raise the rents when she knows every tenant here. Yep. She can't raise the rent. She's living in the past. She's been there too long. She thinks the place is expensive and it's cheap. <laughs> so, um, so number one, uh, I, I, you know, be nice to your tenant. Number two, manager. Number three, the value add thing is way overplayed. Like we, we, we don't, we don't, I don't do the value add I'm going to spend 10,000 a door and get another 200 bucks. We stopped that a couple years ago too. Yeah. yeah it's it's, it's yeah. overplayed. Um, and, uh, you know, be in it for the long term. pick good locations. Don't, I'd rather pay a little extra and get a great location. Like we've always said location, location, location. Everybody knows that mantra, but almost no one actually does that. The buy, yeah, the buy low, good. sell high thing is, is overplayed. I, I don't want the cheapest. I want the, the best location on the board. Mm -hmm. And the management's huge, like you said. I mean, I think a management company can totally kill your deal. So, I mean, it can kill your cash flow. Yeah. yeah. And it's not just the company. It's that, it's that, it's that person on the ground. Because you could have a great management company, but you could have a bad attitude at the property. Yep. Yeah, 100% agree with that. Yeah. For sure. That's nice. 
So when you go into a new market, how much time do you spend on researching before you make the decision to buy? Well, I'm looking at all, I mean, I'm looking at a lot of markets. So um, <laughs> one of the things that people want to actually create, if you're really, really serious about real estate, you cannot think that you're just going to keep buying in San Diego. At yep. some point, you, you will have to go outside the marketplace. Just study the big guys. Study the, what the big guys do. The big guys have all moved outside their primary market. We are realizing that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you, got, you got to move. You got to go where jobs are going. You know, yep. jobs are going to leave California now. Texas, Florida. Yeah, they, they're leaving New York. I mean, New York's, I would not want to be a multifamily. Like just because you're in multifamily doesn't mean you're going to make money. There's markets that you, don't, you do not want to be in. So people should be researching job migration. Uh, real estate for me is not about where I want to live. It's where I want to own. Right. And other people can live. So I can live wherever I want to live. And so, you know, if it's Florida or Alabama, if jobs are going there, I want to go there. Houston, uh, where, where's the market? Not just today, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. What happens to California in the next 10 or 15 years? It's going to be interesting. Yep. I don't think they need to worry about an earthquake, but I think they need to worry about the government. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I water, agree. you know, and pensions. You got, you got major issues there. It's not a, that's not a political statement as much as it's the that's truth. Reality. It's yeah. the reality. You know, you, you, you know, got major issues there. You got companies, you got Facebook now saying, I mean, I don't know if everybody's listening to what Mark Zuckerberg said yesterday on CNBC, but he's like, all right, we don't have to keep hiring people in Silicon Valley. They're planning on leaving there. Trust me, Toyota left and, and California acted like nothing happened. Y'all like buried that news. Yeah. I well, laughed when nobody said anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that's been the, the thing we've been talking about lately too, is if the tech companies leave California, California's yeah, in just trouble. The, the politics here, just, you know? it's just, I don't like it. It's not good. Like you said, it's not, you don't mind paying taxes or paying your fair share, but if they don't do anything with it, what's the point? You're not, you're not benefiting anybody here. Yeah. Um, kind of wrapping up here, Grant. Um, so how important is it for you to have the right team, like CPA, real estate attorney, property management, when you're buying real estate? Well, it depends on where you are in the cycle, right? Like, like if, you're, if you're just getting started, I wouldn't worry about all those things. I wouldn't worry about the LLC. I, I wouldn't worry about the CPA. I wouldn't worry about the, law, the tax person. I'd worry about the real estate. If you buy the right piece of real estate, man, it'll take care of a lot of stuff. And I think one of the things that keeps people from buying real estate is, is the, the priorities of importance of like, you don't need to worry about the LLC. Like the, 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 the lender is going to tell you what they require. So don't get, don't get, you know, bogged down in the little stuff. That stuff is going to, it's going to happen on its own. You don't have to know anything about it for it to work out. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, Find, find the re great real estate. You find great real estate, a lender will want to put a loan on it. If you got to talk a lender into the deal, it's because something's wrong with that piece of real estate. Yeah. <laughs> we always say get in the game. Stop making excuses. You know? Exactly. Yeah, you, you're, you're just getting bogged down in bullshit. You probably do it in your business too. Like, oh, I got to get this right and I got to get that right. My PowerPoint's got to be there. No, you just need to be on the field, do the presentation. Yeah. Um, so multifamily investing is not for everybody, as you and I know. So why are people just better off, go to work, go live their life, and why are Grant Cardone a million dollars and let you do the work? Well, you're, I'm gonna, I mean, 
look, multifamily is for everybody. Everybody should be invested. Everybody should have their, uh, their cash, their money should be in multifamily, even over the stock market. The reason why is because of the leverage. Mm-hmm. Now, how you buy it, whether you're going to buy it with me or you're going to buy it on your own, you, you know, you, you, you should have, people should have money in it. We're going to become a renter nation. 100%. This, this country, we're going to go through a boom in this country of multifamily like we have never seen before. And every demographic suggests this is happening and has been happening over 20 years. So if you don't want to worry about the LLC, picking the property, finding the property, making the phone calls, calling the brokers, negotiating the deal, underwriting the deal, managing the deal, funding the deal, signing on the debt. If you don't want to do those things, then find somebody like me that that I'm going to make more money. Bottom line is the reason somebody would do it with me rather than do it on their own. I will always make more money on a deal than, than they will. I got 35 years of doing this. I mean, there's things I know that that the number one, number one, I'm going to, I'm going to buy deals that are so big that, that who am I selling a big deal to? A bigger, a bigger deal buyer. Choking out a whale, man. Well, I mean, just like some people put their money in a 401k and they let some guy invest it in stocks and never think about it again. I think the type of person who would be right to go with somebody like you is just like that. They want to spend their play money, but they don't want to have to think about how you're making them extra money. Anybody that's sick of Bank of America paying you 0.012%, it would take you 83 years to make what I pay an investor in one year. So... um, it would take you, it would take you, let's see, yeah, uh, uh, 80, uh, let me see, what is 0.12 is 80 times. Is that 80 times or eight times? I mean, we're paying six to 10% to our investors. Some of our portfolio is paying 23% out cash wow. flow before appreciation. So you can't wow. keep- And running. you're still paying everybody even in the midst of all of this? We, we basically have stopped, we pay every month. We yep. stopped in uh, uh, April, May. June's coming. April, May, June, we- Furloughed, we basically stopped paying out just to see how far and ugly this thing gets. And then we'll kick payments back on again. But I have never missed uh, a month in my career, wow. 35 years of cash flow. So that money is actually set aside right now. We're just like, I'm extremely conservative. I think we have $22 million in cash sitting, waiting for distributions and CapEx. Um, so again, you want have, you want to have the cash set aside so that you can manage any kind of ups and downs because on the other side of this, I guarantee your rents are going to go back up again. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I would just tell somebody, look, if you've already given money to bank of America, Wells Fargo, city national, you, you're already invested in what real estate you just don't get paid on it right. because you're just not getting paid anything. You got a checking account. You should take that checking account. And move it in with a guy like me where you're, you're a partner in the deal. That's the other thing I would tell you. Partner with someone in the deal. Do not give it to Blackstone and be in, in, uh, involved in a REIT. I don't want to be, I don't want a real, real estate investment trust. I want real estate because I want the depreciation and the tax advantages that come from that investment. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's the big thing people overlook is the tax advantage. I mean. Oh my God. We, like, we've been here 45 minutes. We hadn't even talked about it. They're, they're massive. Yeah. So like I had a guy invest a million dollars with me. He's going to end up with $4 million worth of depreciation out of that one investment. All right. You judge 100% of the bonus depreciation or? Yeah. 
And then he'll get, he'll earn 600 grand in the next 10 years if we never raise the rents on his million. Then he'll get his million dollars back and probably another million on top of that from, from, our, from, the, from our, uh, our profit share. And he's a partner in the deal the entire time without being exposed to the debt. So I would tell everybody to get invested in this deal. The thing that stops them is all the research and the education and the, I got to get a loan and how do I do that? And damn, I got a job already and I'm busting my ass and I got two kids and a dog and I don't have enough free time now. How am I going to do that? On top of, I live in San Diego or San Francisco and fuck, I can't, I can't even get a return here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And 10 years, you think uh, multifamily, how much higher? What do you think? My portfolio is worth $1.7 billion today. I would say that that, that same portfolio would be worth, uh, you know, at least, could be three, could be a double by then. I don't think that'd be ridiculous to think. Doesn't yeah, sound too shabby. Sure. That means the 700 million, we got $700 million worth of equity there. Uh, that would be worth uh, about four. Uh, probably be that seven hundred million would be worth. Uh, yeah, probably one point four billion. Yeah, um, but but one point four billion before cash flow. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, that doesn't include all the cash over ten years. Yeah, if the rents don't go up, the cash flow is worth four hundred twenty million. Wow, with, with no tax, no tax implication. It's just, it's just, it's a, yeah, it's just an insane. It's At a, which point we would probably refi the entire portfolio. We'll cash out. There yeah. we go. And, and th- th- this is, this is the it's magic the fun part. This is the fun part. This, this is the fun part. So, yeah. so like, again, if you don't do this every day, then, then you probably don't find this interesting, but. You do this at least once a day. Yeah, I do this all day. Yeah, all day. See, now, now I can get away with Grant does this. I can get off my back. No, you need her on your back. So she's on it and her foot's <laughs> on my ass too. So yeah, I get it. Let me see. Let me see. What am I going to I'm going to finance 60% of this on the refi. So I would get basically uh, $100 million in cash. This conservative, very conservative. Yeah. I'd get $100 million in cash and we would keep the entire portfolio. That means I would return $700 million to our investors. All of the money goes back. No tax implication. Plus $100 million. I'll probably keep that for myself. I yeah, <laughs> there it is. And, and every investor, unlike Blackstone or Goldman or JP Morgan or any of the REITs, they would kick everybody out of the deal. Most syndicators will kick you out yeah. of the deal now. I would keep everybody in the deal at the same percentage that they owned before this refi. And then we would, all, we would just continue to own the property with, with, uh, no, with, with no money in it and $100 million out. Maybe I give the investor $60 million of the 100 Nice. So before Crystal's going to do some rapid fire with you, uh, real quick, location of 10X. Uh, Las Vegas, Mandalay Bay. Okay. Wow. Okay. We're all wearing masks or what? <laughs> <laughs> no masks. No masks. All right, Grant. So quick question. Do you even pay taxes at all? Last year, I did not pay tax. I mean, I didn't pay, I didn't pay income taxes. I, I didn't pay income or state. I did pay a lot of property tax. I mean, I pay $40 yeah. million dollars a year in property. Income taxes, yeah. No right. income tax. Yeah. That's amazing. No Huge. 
Okay, favorite location to buy apartments right now? Uh, God, not, I don't have one favorite. I have deals, you know, I got, I got deals. So it's like, where can I find deals? There's a shortage of deals. You can't just put deals together easily. So where can I get a deal? I love the Southeast. I love Austin. I love, uh, I like San Antonio, Houston, um, Alabama. Some of these markets were just not active enough in to go like Dallas. I would love to go to Dallas, but I'm not there. I'd like to go to Denver, but I think it's too expensive. I could go on and on like yeah. parts of Maryland. I like, 90% of Maryland, I can't buy in. There's certain counties that are not friendly to the landlord, but we just bought a big deal there. Uh, Georgia, I like. Savannah, I like. You like anywhere Florida. In Florida? Anywhere in Florida. You like, love Florida, huh? huh? You can blindfold yourself and buy in Florida. Florida. Why is Florida so great? New York and New Jersey are going to feed it for, for decades. Okay. Have you ever paid yield maintenance uh, on a sale or refi? Most of them, most, I, most of the time I pay yield maintenance, some kind of defeat. Really? Oh yeah. I have no problem with it. So it's uh, worth it. I did a deal. I did a deal in Charlotte, North Carolina. I bought it in 2010. I got a phone call. The world had come that. to an end. This deal, this deal was distressed. It was 360 units in Charlotte, North Carolina. I put 400 grand down. It was 360 units. <laughs> you made 17 million on this one. I made, I made, I made, uh, I made 13 million because it was $4 million worth of, 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 of defeasance. Oh, okay. So it would have been 17. It would have been 17 million. I ate 4 million in defeasance. Shit. Is that painful for you? I made $13 million. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, if rates are crazy low, would you pay some now or are you just too new into the loan where it would make sense? I mean, I did my last deal. I did my, our last deal was done, I think, in January. The, the rate was 323. 10-1-I-O? Yeah. 10 years, I owe. So ridiculous. Favorite place you've traveled to? So many places I've been to. I know. I mean, St. Bart's is fucking amazing. You guys would love, you'd be stars in St. Bart. Um, you know, Singapore was awesome. Dubai was awesome. Thailand was phenomenal. One yeah, of the best I've ever stayed at in my entire life. Best home I've ever been in. Malibu, I've spent months in Malibu where I loved it. Uh, we love Hawaii. Like Fiji, I would never go back to Fiji. It's a garbage dump. <laughs> it's kind of... But, you know, we've been, uh, you know, Sydney, Australia is fantastic. Oh, we have some more places to add to the list. Okay, yeah. I think we have one, one last question before we wrap it up then. So two words for you. And what does this mean to you? Generational wealth. It means my, my, my family and my charities will be taken care of after I'm, you know, when I can't produce money anymore. So probably the, the most important thing. Well, my dad died when, he, when I was 10. He was 52 years old. He was a hardworking guy. And the problem is my, is my dad did everything right. Like I learned so much watching my dad because he did everything right. And he was, he still did not achieve his ultimate goal. And his ultimate goal was to take care of his family. It wasn't to be, have a big watch or be the rich guy. It was to take care of his family. When he died, the house was paid for, the cars were paid for. He had life insurance, everything the book said to do, he did. But the income stopped. And when the income stopped, he couldn't take care of us anymore. And the beautiful thing about apartments is apartments are like life insurance. 
they're so like life insurance that the life insurance companies invest in them. Yeah. yeah. And give you debt on them. Okay. Because when my dad died, I'm like, who paid that? Well, the life insurance company did. And then I, then when I was in college, I'm like, okay, well, where did the life insurance company get the money from? Well, from your dad's premiums that he paid for 35 years. Okay. But they didn't just keep the premiums. Where did they invest that money? In apartments. Apartment. Yeah. Apartments paid my daddy to die, basically. And, and so we should have been direct. Why would I want to go to the middleman? I quit eating meat recently because of that, that show on uh, Netflix about game changers. game changers, where he says, why are you eating the middleman? I'm like, yeah, that's stupid. Why am I buying life insurance when I can self-insure by buying apartments? Right. I like it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Grant. I love you guys. Yeah. So much good so, stuff. Yeah, we got to get a great bottle of wine and do dinner sometime. So okay. I come, so I'm from Miami. My family's yeah. there. We, you know, um, I'll just tell you real quick. You know where Bayside Marketplace is? Mm-hmm. All the boats. My family's owned that for 80 years. The Island Queen, my brother runs it. So we go there all the time. I fish, dive. I'm there three times a year. So we'll have to, I'll hit you up when I come down there for sure. Yeah, beautiful. Come see us. Yeah, awesome. awesome. Grant, thanks so much. Thanks so much. Have a great Friday. Okay. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.